Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. As our Wednesday evening Lenten series continues, we are joined by the one and only Tammy Glover. Tammy, who serves as the Director of Performing Arts at the Urban Impact Foundation, leads us this week in a teaching about forgiveness. Here she is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Okay, so, oh, it's so nice to be with all of you. I'm so glad you're all here. I'm going to sit while I talk to you, right? We'll just pretend that we're in the living room, and I'm going to share what God's been teaching me, okay? Does it seem fair? Can you all see if I sit this direction? I don't want I'm not icing you out at all. Okay, there. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, this is a big pulpit. So in our Lenten series that we, we've been studying um, the Lord's Prayer together, right? And tonight, we are looking at the subject of forgiveness. And forgiveness is a very important topic, but it is also a very difficult topic to talk about. Because I will guess that there's not one of us in this room who has not struggled with forgiveness. Either forgiving ourselves, right? Forgiving, uh, knowing that we're forgiven by God or forgiving each other, we all have struggled with forgiveness. But uh, tonight, we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about it. And what I, before, just to kind of give you an, um, some reference, Jesus thought that this phrase in the Lord's Prayer was the most important phrase in the whole prayer. And we know this because it is the only phrase that when he finishes teaching the prayer to his disciples... He comments on this verse that we're going to study tonight. And so Jesus um, had great, he, he, he wanted us to understand how important forgiveness is in living the Christian life. So let's look at it together. We're going to start looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. If you have your Bibles, you can open them. If not, we're going to put it up on the screen, and there it is. So in Matthew 6, verse 12, it says, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now here's Jesus' commentary on our passage. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. So we can readily see that Jesus takes the subject of forgiveness very seriously. So this is a serious topic. I don't know how I got this one. (laughs) John Guest should have taken it. and (laughs) You can tell him later. All right, so to understand what we're, we're looking at with the topic of forgiveness, we're going to do some preliminaries, and that is we need to understand what Jesus meant by forgiveness when he said it, and we also need to understand the word sin. So when you came in tonight, I gave you a handout, and it looks like this, and this is something that you can fold in half and keep in your Bible. Um, It's just really interesting. It helps you understand. There's six New Testament words, Greek words, used for sin. The most common word used for sin in the New Testament is uh, the first one, number one, hamartia. Hamartia is an archery term, and it means to uh, miss the mark. So you shoot at the bullseye, but you miss it. 
And uh, so, but that's not the word that Jesus chose to use when he was talking about forgive us our debts. And when we read the scripture together, the reason it says debts is the word that Jesus used is ophelima. And ophelima means to owe an obligation or to owe a debt. So our prayer is what now and and I'm going to explain something to you. I know that at Christ Church we say forgive us our what? Trespasses as we forgive those who against us. Okay, but the better translation is debt because that is exactly what ophelima means. And that's why in Matthew 6, 1 uh 6 uh 12 it's translated debt in the NIV because that is what that word means. And trespassing has the idea of crossing a boundary of, you can see in that paper, it's kind of like like a passion, a crime of passion. You you kind of do it and you don't think about it. But Jesus wanted us to understand that in this context, we're talking about owing a debt, owing a debt to God when we sin against him and, and others owing a debt to us or when we sin against them, we owe a debt to them. There's a debt that has to be paid. So now let's define, now that we know what the word sin is, let's define our forgiveness. What is the term that we're using? How how am I describing forgiveness? Forgiveness is the decision. Okay, so let's think about that decision. Decisions are made by what? Our will. So this is something that we have to decide to do. So forgiveness is the decision to no longer charge the offender's offense. So that means the person who hurt us, their offense, we no longer charge that offense to the offender's account. Okay? Let, let me say it again. We, forgiveness is the decision to no longer, the decision to no longer charge the offender's offense to the offender's account. They have incurred a debt, but you're not going to ask them to pay it. That's what forgiveness is. Now, that brings up a theological question that you might be sitting there asking. You might say, why would Jesus tell his disciples to pray and ask for forgiveness if when Jesus went to the cross, they would already be saved? Why would we continue in the Lord's Prayer to ask for forgiveness if when Jesus went to the cross, he paid for all of our sins? Our sin is as far as the east is from the west. Why would we have to pray for forgiveness. And um, so the, the answer is this. That there are two kinds of forgiveness in the Bible. The first kind is called positional forgiveness. And the second, and that has to do with our salvation. And I'm going to explain that to us. And the second kind of forgiveness that we find in the Bible is called relational forgiveness. Positional forgiveness has to do with being forgiven for the penalty of sin. When you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, Jesus, through his perfect life and death on the cross and his resurrection, paid the debt for your sin, and you and I were legally forgiven. Your sins, past, present, and future, were wiped clean. And God remembers your sin no more because you put your faith In Jesus Christ, you stand before God. You are positioned before God just as if you'd never sinned. 
That's what Romans 8 is talking about when he says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then later, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's positioned, positional forgiveness. Positioned before God just as if we've never sinned. And let me also say, all sin, all, all, all sin is paid for by Jesus. So when we're off, the second forgiveness was still bought at the cross. Okay? We're, this, we, this positional forgiveness bought at the cross relational forgiveness bought at the cross everything happened through jesus on the cross but the second kind of forgiveness that the bible talks about is relational forgiveness and relational forgiveness comes after you're saved because after you're born again of the spirit and you're walking with god in relationship with him and in relationship with others we sin we sin against god and we sin against others And we break relationship or intimacy or fellowship with God and with each other. My husband loves blueberry milkshakes. And when he was young, there was an ice cream stand near his house where he could get a fresh blueberry milkshake. And he would go to this ice cream stand and he would order a milkshake. And he said he would stick his straw in there and he would be sucking that frosty goodness of that milkshake. And then all of a sudden, a blueberry would get stuck in the straw. And it stopped the flow of the milkshake. And he would have to take his straw out and go... (laughs) Blow the blueberry out. And then he said he would stick it back into the milkshake and keep drinking. And he got that nice, frosty blueberry milkshake again. Well, that's what happens with us. That's the kind of forgiveness that happens. When we break fellowship with God, we're supposed to be conduits of of God's grace to us. God has grace to us, and it flows through us. Okay? So I know the straw goes the opposite way. I recognize the foul... Right? We're going this way with the straw. But this is how it goes with God. God's grace flows to us, and then it flows through us. You say, how do we know that Jesus was talking about relational forgiveness in the prayer and not positional forgiveness? Because the prayer opens with the words, our Father. Who gets to call God his, their Father? Unbelievers or believers? Believers. believers. So we're talking about, this is what the book of 1 John is all about. It's about being in relationship and then sinning and then getting back right with God. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Blow out the blueberry and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and get that flow of grace to us and through us. So how do we cut off the flow of grace? And, and where do we see that in scripture? It's, it's pictured all over the place. It's pictured in the Old Testament. In Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Is he saying that God is deaf? No. He's saying, what happens? If we, from our passage, it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If we hold unforgiveness in our heart, we've got a blueberry in our straw. And when that happens, when we block the flow of grace to our brother or sister, we block the flow of grace to us from God. That's what he's saying. 
And so, Paul also talked about it in Ephesians chapter 4. He says about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Same concept in the New Testament. This is, let's read it together. It's going to come up on the screen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, wait, let me ask you a question. Stop and think. What is the root of bitterness, rage, and anger? What, what is the, it's because someone has done something to you, made you angry, and what did you not do? forgive and Paul goes on to say he gives the solution in verse 32 this is what he says be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you what does that sound like our passage tonight forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors forgive each each other just as Christ forgave you he's talking about there's this relationship in forgiveness That if we want to experience God's forgiveness, we have to be willing to give it out. It's really important, okay? If you feel like that's hard, you weren't getting it, don't worry. Neither did the disciples. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter goes to uh, Jesus and he says, Jesus, how often should we forgive our brother? And he says, seven times. And... He's thinking to himself. Now, listen, Peter wasn't bad to say seven. Rabbis of that time said that if someone sinned against you, you should forgive the same offense three times, which just put it in human perspective. How often do you forgive the same offense, right? Like, I have a hard time forgiving the same offense twice. So the rabbi said, do it three times. Peter says to Jesus, knowing that Jesus had a higher standard than the rabbis, that Jesus was different, he was better than that, he, he was learning that he was God, right? He's in that relationship with Jesus, learning about who he is. And so he says, Jesus, should we forgive seven times? And Jesus says, no. Forgive 70 times seven. That's 490 times. He's saying to Peter, stop counting. Stop counting. And then Jesus gathers all of his disciples together. And he says, I want to teach you a story about forgiveness. I want to tell you a story. So we're going to read that story together. Um, There was a man. We're going to condense the front part. And then we're going to read the last part together. There was a man who owed a king a lot of money. He owed him so much money that even if he worked an entire lifetime... He would be unable to pay the man back. He owed the man so much money if he worked two lifetimes. Paycheck from the time he was 16 to the time he was 70. Two lifetimes. He still couldn't pay the man back. In fact, he owed him so much money if he worked three lifetimes. He still would be unable to pay the man back. And since he couldn't pay the money back, the king commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything that he possessed would be sold to settle his debt. Let's pick up our story in Matthew 18, verse 26. I'll read it to you. At this, the servant fell on his knees before the king. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. And at this, the king has compassion on him, and he cancels his debt, and the man is free to go. 
But then let's pick up our story. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. They went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Simply because you Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You see, Jesus was illustrating the principle we're looking at tonight. Forgive us as we forgive, right? This is, this is Jesus exegeting, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right here. Look at the result. In anger... His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I'm going to ask you a question. If we're saved positionally, is he talking about going to hell? No. What's he talking about? Now listen carefully. Jesus knew that when we refuse to forgive, we set ourselves on fire. On fire. We are tortured by hatred, anger, and bitterness. We burn and can never be satisfied. Oh, we, we're forgiven, we're not damned. But unforgiveness throws us into the prison of unrelenting personal torment. There is no joy, there is no peace, and there is no relief. As I was preparing this message for you, I shared it with a friend of mine, and I know her story, and she said, please tell them my story. And I said, okay, I will. My friend uh, was married, she had children, and her mother was diagnosed with a terminal disease. When her mother was diagnosed with the terminal disease, uh, her father came to her mother and said, I have been having multiple affairs over the years while we've been married, and I no longer want to be married to you. I don't want to go through this terminal disease with you. I am leaving you and going to marry my mistress. You can imagine how angry my friend was. She gathered her mother, moved her mother close to her where she would have to take care of her. But you can imagine her mother's personal pain and torment. She not only faced death, but she faced it alone without the person by her side that she thought would be there with her to the bitter end. Not only that, she was betrayed, had been betrayed for years and had not known it. 
All of them had lived a lie, and my friend was furious. She felt righteous indignation because it was such a heinous sin. She felt justified in being angry, but her anger began to consume her. She said that she would stand washing her dishes in front of her window at her sink, and she would think of things she would say to her father. She had conversations with him day after day, not in reality, in her mind, of what she would like to say to tell him how angry she was, how cruel he had been, how what, what a, a horrible liar he had been. How could he have treated his family this way? How could he treat her mother this way? He had seen what she had sacrificed. He, he knew, and he didn't care. And so she had these conversations. She said, my conversations were just met by my, by day were met by my conversations at night. I would go to bed, but I would not sleep. I had, I, she said, I began quoting scripture against my father to tell him how unrighteous he, he was and how he would be judged for the sin he had. And she said, I laid in bed one night and I was quoting 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And I went through in my mind as I told him every way he had failed to love my mother, every way he had failed to love our family. And she said, and I got to the part where it said, and love keeps no record of wrong. And she said she was arrested. The Holy Spirit, she said, if he could have been an audible voice, it couldn't have been louder. She said, It's time to let go. It's time to let go. She was bound in a prison of unforgiveness. Bound. Her life was consumed with unforgiveness. You see, the servant only owed the master one thing. He'd been forgiven his debt. He only owed the master one thing. To forgive his fellow servant. That's all he owed. And when it says that he would be tormented, the only thing he owed was to forgive. And forgiveness holds the keys to the prison. Okay, now we're going to talk about something really practical. There are two ways that forgiveness plays out in our lives. The first way that forgiveness plays out is like this. And this is, this is the best way. When someone has wronged you or you have wronged some, let's flip it. Let's say you have wronged someone. You go to them and you say, please forgive me. I am sorry. That's confession. And confession is always paired with action. And when those two are together, that equals Repentance. All right? And for forgiveness to take over and to really like to have restoration in relationships, when you ask for forgiveness, you need to be ready to take action. Okay? You can really see this perfectly in the story of the prodigal son. So I'm going to just, we're just going to condense that story and talk about it. The prodigal son is in the pig pen. He spent all his money. He's blown everything. He's, he left his father, insulted him, left the family. He's in the pig pen. He's eating those, those seed pods, with, or he wants to eat the seed pods that the pigs are eating. And he wakes up and he says, 
What am I doing here? The servants in my father's house eat better than, these, than, than me. He said, I will go to my father and I will say to my father, this is confession, Father, I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but I will be a servant in your house. And what does the father say? The father says, welcome home, son. And there's a restoration. And there is, because of forgiveness, there's a reconciliation in relationship. Okay? But the the prodigal son had to take action. He could have stayed in the pig pen for weeks, months, years, and said, I am so sorry I did this to my father. I am so sorry I did this to my family. I am so sorry I did this. What has to happen for it to be real? Action. Action. You have to get up, get out of the pig pen, and go and ask for forgiveness from your father. It doesn't work any other way. That's when reconciliation happens. That's when restoration and relate. If you have a broken relationship, you got to take action in forgiveness to restore it. It's not going to happen any other way. But there is one other kind of forgiveness that happens inside of relationship that is not a part of reconciliation. And that is unilateral forgiveness. Because our passage tonight says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It doesn't say forgive only the ones who come seeking to be forgiven. Forgive those who want to be reconciled with you. Forgive those who are truly repentant. That's not what our passage says. Our passage says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So God calls on us to forgive people who don't ask for it and who don't deserve it. Who don't ask for it and who don't deserve it. If we look in the book of Acts, Stephen was being stoned. And he says, he says, do not lay this charge against them. He had no relationship with the people who were stoning them. They had no interest in having a relationship with him. And yet, what did Stephen do? He forgave them. He said, do not lay this charge against them. Forgive them. Jesus on the cross, what did he say? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They weren't interested in having a relationship. They weren't interested in getting it right with Jesus. They were killing him. And Jesus says, forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Unilateral forgiveness is probably one of the most important spiritual disciplines we can ever learn. Because it sets us free. Are you angry? Are you bitter? Do you have a fire that burns inside? If you do, ask yourself, is there some root of unforgiveness in my life? Is there someone I'm, I'm hurt by, I'm angry at? They've done something and it, it wounded me. They may not even have meant to. But if it's there, if you have these symptoms, you know, you, you flare off. Is there unforgiveness in your life? Ask yourself that question. Now, I want to give you a practical illustration to help you wrap yourselves around forgiveness. 
okay? And how we can unilaterally and relationally forgive, okay? And this is, we're going to close with this illustration. Maybe you've watched an old movie like the Westerns, and you know how, how many of you have ever watched a Western? Okay, how many of you have ever seen the old church in the West, you know, and it has the bell tower, and it has that long bell or rope that hangs down, right? Do we all know what I'm talking about? Yes. This is fantastic. Okay, now imagine that you have hold of the bell, and you start to ring it. Bong, 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 bong. Bong, and you keep ringing it, right? You're ringing it, right? Okay, you don't have to keep bonging. I want to do the bonging. But you're constantly pulling and you're constantly ringing the bell. You know, my husband started that bonging and he loves me. (laughs) I love you too, honey. You are so for me. I love that you're for me. It's okay. You are the best. Okay, so let's say after after you've rung that bell for a while, you, you let go of it. Does the bell stop ringing? No, it keeps ringing, right? For a little while, but then it kind of starts to slow down. Bong. Bong. And it gets quieter, right? Because it's hitting it not so hard. Bong. Bong. Forgiveness is when you let the bell rope go. That's forgiveness. You no longer hold the rope. Lack of forgiveness is when you constantly pull the rope and you say, Bong, you did this to me. Bong, you did that to me. Bong, you did this to me. Bong, you did that to me. Bong, you did this to me. Bong, you did that to me. Right? You are constantly pulling the rope. You make yourself think of what went wrong, even when you're not thinking about it, you insist on pulling the rope. But when you let the rope go by a decision of your will, you, you are saying, I will no longer hold this crime, this debt against you. Now, your emotions will hear the bells for a while. But if you let the rope go and leave it alone, the bell will slow down until it stops. All right, now, I want to address one other thing. We can't let our feelings of pain, okay? So when someone hurts us, there is that pain that comes, and when you see them, you feel the physical pain when you see them. When they've let you down, when they've hurt you, when they've done whatever, you feel it when you see them. You can't let your feelings of pain get in your way of forgiveness because Just because you feel pain, it doesn't preclude you from forgiving. The issue you're responsible for is just not to ring the bell anymore. And as if you let the rope go, the pain will subside. It will, time does not heal all wounds. Forgiveness plus time heals all wounds. Forgiveness plus time heals all wounds. And there are reasons why sometimes we have a struggle getting that sound to die down. One is we have rung the bell for so long, we don't know what it sounds like not to have the bell ringing in our ears. And then we have to renew our mind by being in God's word and letting it minister to us. And we have to determine 
by an act of our will, we have to make a decision and say, I will, I will let this rope go. And then, the other reason that sometimes we hear the bell is we let, we let the rope go, and then we see that person, and then, or we talk to someone, and they ask us, oh, well, how is this going? And the next thing you know, you're recounting the story, the bong, and you grab hold of the rope again because you recount the story. We have to let go of the rope, and we have to be diligent in letting it go so that God can bring healing and set us free through forgiveness. We don't have to live in prison. We can be free. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, you ask us to forgive as you have forgiven us. You want that to be our hallmark. Lord, bring to our minds if there is someone that we need to forgive. We don't want anything to, flow, to block the flow of your spirit to us. So, Lord, let it flow through us. Lord, take our pain, and we offer it as a sacrifice of love to you, that you might be glorified and let us forgive and let go of the rope. Help us tonight to let go of the rope. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.